Here we go. Welcome to another Quantum Conversation, brought to you by AcousticHealth.com. I'm Loren Gailey, and I invite you to sit back as we enter the quantum realm, that space of the greater part of you. It is your connection to infinite possibilities, infinite potential, and infinite mastery. Welcome, everyone. This is a quantum conversation with Steve Nobel, who is a spiritual teacher showing us beautiful inspiration on how we can really live in this present moment, transcend all fear, and be a beautiful being of light on this planet. Let's welcome Steve Nobel back to Quantum Conversations. Steve, hello. Thank you for being here. Hi, Lauren. Thank you for having me again. It's been a few months, isn't it? I think last year. Yes, last year. And we actually met in 2016 when you had posted something, and it was just inspirational, comforting words. And that, my friend, makes you a new earth leader because now it is time for us to, as we transcend the fear, which that fear program and the divide and conquer program feels like it is 555% on high. Yeah. So now it's time to uh, go within so deeply to hear that voice so deeply that we know the answers that we know within ourselves and we have that guidance. So looking out in the world, tell us it's, um, could be quite hectic. Give us your update right now on uh, how you see things because this shift is continuing and the awakening is continuing. Yeah, for sure. Well, I um, I did actually write a post on the glo- I call it the, the Global Pandemonium 2020, and uh, this this was just my research and just my kind of revelations. And with that. I thought with the global crisis, I, mean, I, I do think that the whole um, the whole uh, ascension process is going to bring some global crisis because the, the world is just continuing doing what it's doing and sometimes it needs a bit of a shake up. So this is one of those things. Um, the ascension process itself is essentially a conflict between two paradigms and two ways of seeing and moving through the world. The old paradigm, of course, is still very strong. You know, people are still doing what they're doing, trashing the planet, you know, treating it like a, you know, how they shouldn't be treating it. And there's, you know, in the West, we've got all the democracies doing what they're doing with, with kind of manipulation and deceit and persuasion. And in, in other countries, more tyrannical, they're more arm bending. So these two forces are clashing and um, that's part of the shift at the moment. But the one of the other factors, I think, which is creating this um, this pandemic is something you could think of as global guilt or collective guilt concerning the way we're treating the planet. And it's really people in the developing world, developed world, I should say, developed world, whose lifestyle is completely out of balance with um, the ascension process and actually Gaia herself, because the, the planet can't be treated, you know, like a landfill. The oceans can't be kind of a, a dumpster. And, um, you know, there's dreadful ways we farm and there's forests and Amazon being cut down and species getting extinct. So that's a big factor, collective guilt. We even if we're just kind of busy doing what we're doing, paying the mortgage, at some level we know the planet is being damaged and that creates a kind of collective guilt at the unconscious collective level. The third factor is um, 
billions of people on the planet feel incredibly stuck and you know at the bottom of the feeding chain and there's a great sense of stuckness and anger and that anger actually can invite collective events to kind of break through so when you've got a few billion people a couple of billion people who are really struggling are really angry who are absolutely frustrated got no way of actually changing something then this can be invoked from um, the collective can invoke it and so we've had disasters such as war for example in in England we had after World War one the rigid class system started breaking down so actually this huge calamity actually had a beneficial effect at that social level and after World War II, a lot of gender roles began to break down. You know, we had the Women's Land Army in Britain, so that all broke down. Um, another factor I think about this pandemic, this one's a bit controversial, but people can research, is that um, the introduction of 5G cellular technology in parts of the globe is actually, if you, if you have a look at, to, I recommend people have a look at this issue, that actually um, that is linked in in some way to it as well. And um, the fifth factor, which is really not a cause, which is really the carrier, is this huge 550% fear thing that you talked about, Lauren, that's um, ramping up at the moment. So um, I think they're the factors which are really calling into play this kind of thing. Because as I probably shared and other teachers have shared, other people have shared, that you know it's common knowledge amongst the New Age community that we create our reality. It's been spoken about since the 60s and most people think of it as a, as a kind of individual level you know I create my reality I'm creating my friends my opportunities my possibility the challenges but of course the collective creates at a, at a big level you know if you've got millions of people or billions of people focusing on something that has an impact on the world around us so these kind of events of course are not something that one individual calls up but if you've got a whole group of people calling stuff up then, um, you know, and the world is shifting. We've got storms, we've got fires, we've got all kinds of things. Gaia herself is rebelling against and shaking up things. But also the collective, if it, if it just, I mean, I, I, I've had a few conversations with people in the 3D world recently, and I just think, oh my God, that the energy that one or two people are putting out, imagine millions of people putting out that energy. What is that doing? We're moving through that. I mean, obviously we don't have to be touched by it, but that is, that is part of the field we're moving through and having to navigate really, you know, that collective. Um, and I've met a number of people who are really struggling at the moment because, you know, the economy's winding down. Um, I've spoken to a few people. So people in the 3D matrix are really worrying about the effects of this pandemic. It's kind of ramping up their anxieties and fears. And, and of course it will eventually produce some, changes we don't know exactly what those changes will be at the moment but uh, so whatever whatever the source of the pandemic whether it is people eating bat soup or whether it's something more of a darker nature the effect will be um i think there'll be some positive social effects it's not a very elegant way of creating positive global social effects but you know growth is a slap and a hug and if we get the hug, we can have the hug. But if we don't get the hug, or if we don't listen to the whispers, we get the shouts or the slap. And the world is getting a few slaps at the moment because as the world shifts, it can't carry on doing the old thing, the same old things. It's just not going to be allowed, actually. Yes, it's not going to be allowed. And so this is the shift. And so there's questions coming in on this that will get to you. It really is, um, it just feels like the past life as well that like there is fear that is within and it's a collective it also feels like that's on the collective so that we're 
you know, you, you said it was this global guilt about how we're treating the planet. and Global doing, guilt and global yeah, anger, yeah. And doing things the same way and, and all of it. So um, as we are here, there is a question. There's a question um, coming in spiritually, spiritually then, what can we do to help contain the coronavirus? What can we do? Mm-hmm. Um, well, at this most practical, basic level, so I'm dropping my pen here. Um, uh, there's so I wrote a, a post, and um, at a very practical level, there's um, there's a guy called PatrickColford.com. He's written a great blog on how uh, I think it's vitamin C, zinc, and black elderberry extract are very useful for dealing so if anybody's got something that just blasting the system of the body with that is a very good way of actually helping our immune system mm-hmm. there's a, and i could send the link in the chat box if you like uh um i've heard vitamin c you know there's there's lots of that but liposomal um yeah. liposomal am i saying that right l-i-p-o-s-o-m-a-l lipos liposomal Vitamin C, it's like 1,200 milligrams in one tablet so, or capsule. Yeah, so I think I've got a, I've got 1,000 milligrams in what I've got. And I, I hear that um, I, I think, you know, a couple of thousand is okay. I, someone said to me that actually some people can take 6,000. And a friend of mine who's in Bali said, actually, if you do have a treatment there, they actually give you 20,000 milligrams in a shot. So I'm not a nutritionist, so I don't know. But um, there's a lot of advice around, so check out the kind of advice. There's yeah. also that thing of thieves oil, you know, um, the thieves yeah. oil, yeah. which in the bubonic plague, apparently the story goes, some some thieves uh, survived it. And this judge, when he were caught, said, well, I'll give you a lenient sentence if you let me know how you did it. And they created this thieves oil. Uh, so, again, if people Google thieves oil, they can find it. Um, the 5G thing is mm-hmm. a problem. And so that's, I mean, I'm going to do a... a meditation transmission to, to neutralize that as far as possible but I think what people can do energetically is um, um, connecting with the 5d grid of the earth is probably you know grounding into the grid of earth and bringing that up as a shield around them on my youtube channel there's a few shielding meditations but I'm going to do one specifically to address all those issues and uh, but I haven't done that yet but that's gonna that will happen soon okay very interesting i mean that's very interesting to think about the fully anchoring onto 5d this is why we say hold our vision of new earth no matter what and so we have a vision of oceans that are clean innovations coming out stay there you mentioned um that we may see some things in society get better too. So again, as we hold vision of new earth and you see new systems come about, uh, whether it's online education or um, businesses that are allowing their employees, there is a whole new world because of our technology today. There's a whole new way that people can do business and do business from home while still being employed. So I think that's going to be something really uh, promising for the world as well. We know that so many people, well, I don't want to say so many people, but I hear from people who actually love working from home. Um, 
and 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 people are more productive when they can work from home. And so this yeah. is this leads us into our topic about the new 5D miracle flow ethic because a personal integrity comes about, all right? A personal integrity of us each showing up, knowing our skills and what we have to offer the world, and we show up in a way that um, maybe it's a 1099 collaboration where instead of being an employee, then we're collaborating with people in that way. So there's new jobs and new collaboration. Some yeah. people still need to go in and get a paycheck, and they like that. So that's according to their personality type. Yeah. Um, so when when we're talking about this topic today, embracing the new 5D miracle flow ethic, that is the new Earth flow. So before we get there, let's talk about another aspect of the spiritual aspect that we can bring this world virus. And I think it's um, this fear within us. So can you share first transcending the fear? We really do have to take a look at it because I would be willing to say that so many of us are empathic and that we're feeling, we are feeling the collective. Yeah. So how That's a big problem. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. every starseed, I don't know if I need to really explain starseeds, I guess most people know the term now. Starseeds are basically a bit different from people who have been trapped in the reincarnational cycle on the earth. And um, one of the one of the signs of being a starseed is extreme sensitivity. <clears throat> and um, that sensitivity can include absorbing <clears throat> energies. And so when the, when the collective, and at the moment you've got millions of people beaming out fear, and starseeds will feel it, and... They may not even know they're feeling it until they're aware of, uh, do you know that the collective is, is sending waves of fear out at the moment and you're probably absorbing it? So, that, so the awareness at one level is good. And then another level would be, well, how do I get rid of it? And so energy which is absorbed into the body is absorbed into the cells, the bones, the blood, the organs and systems. So there are meditations where <clears throat> even at the most basic one, a waterfall of light type of thing. They're the most basic kind of meditations where you imagine standing under a waterfall and releasing anything stuck in your body. I mean, all the meditations on my channel usually start off with this basic uh, way of working with energy, which is inviting energy in the body on the in-breath because we are connected to the universe. So we're connected to the stars, the sun, and the, and the ascending grid of the earth itself, bringing in energy and on the out-breath, releasing energy that doesn't serve us. And so intention, and the, the job is done by our unconscious mind. So the unconscious mind keeps the heart going and the eyes expand, you know, in the light and uh, keeping our body humidity going and all that. And also storing fat here and there. The body, the unconscious mind knows, that, um, okay, we have some foreign energies here and we can release it. And so we ask the unconscious mind, please release these lower energies. And lower energies, meaning the angers, the fears, the anxieties of the collective, and allow more of my own higher light in my body. So we have to get the unconscious mind on board. At the beginning, it goes, what, what, what? And, and eventually we train it to go, okay, we're breathing in light, we're releasing the lower, and eventually it does it. It's, it, it needs to learn by repetition. So any major event, and this one, of course, is touching the whole Western world, well, many countries, and I, so think you, I think it's every human, isn't it? Yeah, well, some countries, like Italy, shut down. An awareness that touches yeah. every heart, maybe. Yeah, I if think they're some countries watching are, the media. 
I some mean, countries media. are more in fear at the moment, you know. So I guess America or Britain, the whole craziness in Britain is toilet rolls are being. I mean, why buy? Why, I don't know why this panic buying of toilet rolls is really crazy. They don't have bidets yet. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's, it's very strange. I mean, you, you think people would buy pasta or something to stock up, but it's all the to- it's toilet rolls for some reason. So the fear. I mean, Italy's shutting down. Some countries are less affected. England's less affected. Um, I'm not quite sure how badly America's affected, but some areas are, are. But the fear around the global economy slowing down and about, you know, I think in the collective unconscious as well is the m- memories of things like the bubonic plague and the Spanish flu where millions of people died. And yes. so there is this collective fear and it may not and, even know why they're afraid. And so could we were talking about this just today. Could this be past lives? People have been having dreams that they died in the plague. And this yeah. could be part of the fear as well. Right. This yeah. is like it feels like it's a group. It's a giant collective clearing. Yeah. Well, well, that energy will be in past life, other lifetimes and also be in the ancestral lines. Mm-hmm. So, but ancestral lines that go back into infinity, you could say back to, you know, thousands and hundreds of thousands of years. Then we've passed through um, different times of plague. You know, plagues have arisen in history at different times. So the Black Death is the most scariest for Europeans, I guess. That was in the, I think it was in the 1400s, I think. So, but the, so the ancestral lines and also other lifetimes we've had. So there's these two streams coming in that we have to learn to neutralize. And again, on my YouTube channel, there's a um, bloodline meditation process, which helps clear the mother line, father line of general energies. So the, the more we're aware, because it, when we start waking up, we, we're not really appreciate, appreciating all these streams of energy that we're, we're, we're immersed in the kind of collective field. We've got our own personal reality stuff going on in our field. We've got other lifetimes which start coming online when we wake up. The more we wake up along the path, the more these come online, the good ones, the, the lovely ones, and the challenging ones. And so where they may be dormant for a while, you might have a... You know, so I, I'm pretty sure I've been ki- killed a few times for speaking my truth. And I remember at least once being burnt alive, that kind of thing. And yeah. so when I'm asleep, I don't remember those things. But when you start waking up, these things start spontaneously coming back or you might get at workshops. But then there's the bloodlines, which is really important that I think in the Western world, we're taught to be individuals. You know, I've got my coach, I've got my personal trainer, I've got, but we're connected to this huge bloodline and um, I think in some countries those bloodlines are really much you can feel them on the surface you know when I go to uh, Slovenia or visit these families that you can see their ancestors on the walls you know but in, in the west we kind of just got a, I, I know my grandparents but not beyond that I don't know what happened to them so those lines do affect us and they're very important to work with actually yeah so collective fear, shifting the fear but there's also this collective guilt and this collective anger that's going on. And the fear is the transmitter, but the guilt and the anger are generating this whole collective problem at the moment. And um, in the Western world, we're too busy paying the mortgage and dropping the kids off at school to even think about that. So most people are unaware of it. It's all happening under the surface. But starseeds who are more conscious, more aware, are the kind of pressure valves for the collective, and they're feeling it. So they, they're feeling it, but they're also the alchemists, so they know how to transform it when they start waking up. It's important to know how to transform energies and release energies. You know, not just be aware, oh, I'm feeling anxiety. Well, what do we do with it? Transform it. You know, don't just leave it in your body. 
it's a skill we learn to, you know, most of us learn, have to learn. Otherwise, we get swamped by energies, you know, our mother's anxiety or our father's anger or whatever it is. We have to learn to purge. We have to learn to dissolve the cords and create space between us and people who are really resonating at a very low frequency, but still retain empathy. I mean, I do actually read the newspapers uh, almost daily just to check in what's happening in the collective. Not that I'm buying in with those stories, but I just want to see what other stories being pumped out there. Yeah, I think so at it too. Yeah. And it's interesting to see how it definitely brings the vibe down. And and as a journalist, just to myself, seeing the way that today's media uses certain words that are just, um, you know, they incite fear. Yeah. By newspapers, I suppose yeah. people. Don't they say blood cells in the media newspaper business, something like that? I know in England they say blood, blood cells. If it, if it bleeds, it leads. Yes. <laughs> it bleeds, it leads. So, um, okay. Yeah. All right. So um, we are um, immaculate with our vibration. That's what you're saying is that we can be immaculate with our vibration. Yeah. Um, and as uh, students of this in, in this world of metaphysics and working on ourselves, connecting with our higher self for the information. I think that's where people are realizing these past, these are past lives. When they go within, they're like, wow, that's a past life. Or it's the ancestral bloodline. That's the importance of going within. And so as we do this, you love to tell people, not tell people, but share this um, method to anchor in with the new earth because it seems like crazy that we can be here in 5d visioning envisioning 5d in envisioning new earth but yet outside it's crazy so again yeah. the immaculate um responsibility for our vibration so yeah. when you're talking about embracing the new 5d miracle flow ethic that's really what we're talking about here so um and, and anchoring into 5D, talk a little bit more about this and what we can do. Well, it's good to know, I think, uh, well, first of all, we're straddling two timelines. Uh, well, a lot of people are straddling two timelines. Increasingly, star seeds are getting off the old one and are stepping on the new one, which is the new Earth timeline. And anyone on a 3D timeline would, would not understand that timeline at all because um, the new Earth timeline or 5D timeline is essentially the energy is coming from the future and we're tuning into what the future is telling us and it's almost like the energy is resonating from the future now someone embedded in 3d would go well, well that, that doesn't make sense because it hasn't happened yet the past has happened and i'm informed by the past mm -hmm. but increasingly um we're finding that being informed by the past really doesn't work in any shape or form i mean yes we can learn from the past but to be informed by it so an example on a very personal level would be um, my parents tried to impart their values onto me. This is what they learned from their parents and blah, blah, blah. And it didn't work. You know, I mean, they, so the, the, the flow ethic is the opposite of the old work ethic, which is the old Protestant work ethic, which in America, and America is the capital of it, puritanical, Calvinistic work ethic. So I thought Britain was really bad. But when I come to America, it's like, you guys don't rest. It's like constant movement and constant work and hardly any holidays. And we've got to keep going with it, produce. And it's like, mm -hmm. it seems almost sacrilegious to rest or do it, nothing. And when you, when people leave the matrix, that matrix, and start their own business, 
we hear this a lot. I work and hear it a lot. I had it myself. There's a lot of guilt about taking time to go exercise or building that into your day because there's belief systems that if you're not doing something, you're not making money. Right. Yeah. So yeah. that's a whole shift as well. You're right. Yeah, that's deep. Many, many BS belief systems there. Well, so my my take on the old work ethic is something like this and see if it resonates with people. It's like it's a person's duty to achieve success and increase his or her assets and material wealth through discipline, hard work, effort, thrift, frugality. Possessing money is the first law. Increasing money, the second. Money generates money, whereas lack generates lack. We do not need to reinvent the wheel. We just have to follow the formula of hard work as shown by those who've gone before us, whether parents or mentors or peers. We have to deserve and earn it. We have to deserve and earn happiness. And we have to deserve and earn material success. We have to sacrifice. We have to suffer for that happiness and that success. And happiness and success, material success, are problems to be solved. The universe doesn't just give it. This is the old ethic, right? Just doesn't deliver it. You've got to go out and get it. So um, we must make them happen. You know, in America, it's like no one's going to give it to you. Get out and make it happen. You know, the pie is only so big. They're our happiness and material success, therefore, as we grab it, we take away from others. That's, so there is that guilt thing that, yeah, I've got it all, but they're left without that kind of idea. The devil makes work for idle hands. Time is money, and we spend our time. This is the whole puritanical ethic. And um, I'll give you some a couple of stories that I had recently, which was, um, well, actually, one is somebody I've known for a long time. She comes from northern Italy. Now, northern Italy is very different from southern Italy. Northern Italy is part of the, They've got the work ethic there. So northern Europe is very much work ethic, Protestant northern Europe. Southern Europe is much more Catholic. It's a very different energy. Um, she used to say to me, and I've known her now for a while, I've known her for about 20 years. She still says it, but she says it a little bit more jokingly. But she says, have I produced enough today? That was a question. And that question was a daily torment. And I used to sit and listen once a week to the daily torment. And you see that the idea of pr producing is like if you're, a, if you're an employee in a big corporation, you have to look busy. You have to be paper shuffling. It doesn't matter if you've got nothing worthwhile to do. Look busy. Do that's, something. That's probably why they don't want you to work at home because they can't see you working. Yeah. All they <laughs> can ahead. do is look at the results. Look at are you right. being effective? Are you being efficient? Right. Not how much you are know, you, you can getting? Actually, are you oh. getting your project done? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So when Dude, I became a Okay, go when, ahead. I, when I became a uh, director of this company, uh, Alternatives, uh, presenting spiritual authors, I did two things there, which I think was, it sounds very simple, but really it was to counter this old nonsense that even was a little bit happening in that organization. <clears throat> the first one was <clears throat> we had to have tea twice a day, morning once, afternoon once, and in that time, we checked in how we're doing emotionally, how we're feeling, <clears throat> and uh, if there are any issues that are going on, they will come to the surface. But also in that time, it was a creative time to produce what would we love to create. Mm -hmm. So that was that time. And the other thing I did was say, if we don't feel joyful about it, let's not put it on. It doesn't matter if they're a celebrity. It doesn't matter if they get a big audience. If we don't like them, if we think they're crass, and we have had one or two, 
I did. I do remember one or two. We don't. We don't have them back. <clears throat> that changed the whole vibe of the organisation. You know, because, <clears throat> um, excuse me. I've got. I've got a cough in my. I've got a thing in my throat. <clears throat> Let me. Uh, Good old frog. <clears throat> yes. Excuse me. I'm going to take a. Take a sip. Well, it's beautiful because this is what is creating the change, and this is 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 the newness. There's new work, new collaboration coming, and it's yeah. all part of this. Well, one thing uh, I found in like coaching clients is that um, the 3D matrix does not like starseeds, <clears throat> and the corporate world Star really don't like the 3D matrix. No, and they're getting ejected. Mm -hmm. I've got a few clients are being kicked out. Yeah, and, uh, and so it causes a bit of anxiety that basically, mm -hmm. energetically, they're not aligned with big corporations. They can do it for a while, but small corporation or working for themselves much better or freelancing is much better. Mm -hmm. So I tell you a, a conversation I had with someone. Uh, the mother <clears throat> was a starseed and the son not. And she said, "Will you have a chat with my son?" Well, <clears throat> I thought, "Oh, well, okay." Oh my God, that that uh, conversation was so challenging. <clears throat> Um, it was all about the past. It was all about confusion. <clears throat> it was all about chasing success with no idea what that was. It was all all about money. Uh, he had no clear formulas of success. And his idea about making it work just was not working. <clears throat> his idea was, I just need to push harder and faster and meaner and keener. I'm like, you know, guy... Three hundred thousand dollars has gone down the pan, and he wants to he wants to borrow another three hundred thousand dollars to to make it work. And I'm like, but he was so certain in his uncertainty, you know, <clears throat> this is not working. And I said to him, "Do you believe it's a dog eat dog world?" And he said, "Yes, of course it's a dog eat dog world." And uh, <clears throat> he had no sense of joy and passion. It was all about money, mm. and serving the world did not compute. Actually, I'm just going to get a quick, quick drink. Actually, sorry. Can you hold on a sec? Yes, go for it. And I just want to say that, oh my goodness, good riddance on that old paradigm falling away. Because anyone who watches this show and hangs out in this arena certainly knows that the driving force is our passion and our joy. And when we go and live it and express it, we are provided for. We are inspired. Um, and so really what we're learning is that this new matrix is exactly the opposite of everything that we've been taught. So it's beautiful. Enjoy the change. Wow. So Steve, as we were saying, it's like, thank God that this old paradigm is going away. It is shifting. Oh. The, new, the new rules, as you're almost here to say, is fueled by passion and the joy. And when we live in those, um, in that vibration, we literally are on new earth and creating and provided for and inspired. So, okay, go ahead. You were sharing about that, that drive. Yeah. Well, um, so the shift between the old work ethic and the new one is, is quite a big, it's quite a leap for some people. So if they've been working in the old ethic for a long time, actually changing the mindset even people in the spiritual zone, I found, who are doing all the spiritual practice, may still be running on this old mindset. Yes. And so they have to shift. Um, Valuing themselves. Yeah, and they have to shift their, their mindset from, um, it's almost like they make themselves their own CEO of their own career or their own 
company or whatever it is, they have to stop having a mindset of <clears throat> I'm a cog in a machine here and the CEO has got all the answers and I'm just have, I just have to pay for this. It's also um, chasing money. And I understand that ethic is so embedded in chasing money. In America, I mean, chasing money is, is what, what happened. In England as well, <clears throat> it's what people do, chase money. But uh, mm -hmm. once the chase stops, and you might think, well, if I stop chasing money, that means I won't get it. I mean, isn't that... But I found... Um, so my family was pretty embedded in, in scarcity consciousness, I would say. I, I grew up in it. So I got a PhD in scarcity consciousness, you know. <clears throat> they were working class. They were embedded in the, in the, in the, in the work ethic. They were, the, the message I got from my father was get a proper job, which means be, be normal, don't be weird. Mm -hmm. And by the way, being weird for a lot of starseeds is the perfect thing, you know, like we've found. Be weird. You know, and I, when I tell people that, they're like, they feel shocked. Your weirdness is your brilliance, actually. Um, I spent 20 years trying to work out what is a proper job, what, how can I be normal, and you know, it just was painful. When I stopped that, when I stopped all that efforting, <clears throat> and I allowed my weirdness to come out. Actually, my weirdness. My children still think I'm weird, by the way, but and my grandchildren probably a little <laughs> bit now. They're getting older, but that weirdness actually is what works in this in this day and age. Because in my father's day and age, being weird was a sure thing to get yourself fired. But in this day and age, being weird means you can create your own business or do your own thing. And people go, wow, I really like what you're doing. You're unique. You've, you've found your little niche. You know? And so trying to be all things, trying to be a generalist. And, and, and so there's a lot of coaches and, and healers out there who are too general. They're not really, trying to, not really embracing their weirdness enough. Because if they embrace their weirdness, they know exactly what they're meant to be doing. So rather, you know, there's millions of Reiki healers and millions of coaches, which are very general. But once you know what is my particular brand of weirdness, off you go, you know. Um, so following my weirdness, it was a shift in, in can I be weird? Is it, do I have permission to be weird? You know, uh, who's going to give me permission to be weird? My father, my mother and father have gone now, but they would never give me permission. They'd be horrified about what I'm doing still probably. My grandparents would not understand this. You know, our ancestral line um, can actually object as well to us being too weird. So that energetically, they can object. So we have to negotiate in meditation with them. And I've done that a few times. So just imagine, I'm just, for your listeners, that you just imagine uh, calling the mother line and saying, I want to embrace my weirdness. What do you want to, what do you say about that? And have conversations with whoever shows up. And then mostly the ancestors do not completely appreciate the reality we're in. So what happens with the ancestral lines is they may block us um, if they feel we're going to humiliate the family or we're going to do something that's going to cause harm to the family. And so we have to actually show them the reality and say, look, do you this is the reality. I mean, I'm not in Victorian England. And uh, look, there's internet and this and that, and it's okay to be weird. So I've had lots of these sessions with clients around negotiating with ancestors. That's one thing. We have to negotiate with our own ego and our ancestral lines, you know, and there might be other lifetimes that say, well, when you shone your light so brightly before and you stood up on your soapbox and pronounced the kingdom of heaven or whatever it was, don't you remember what happened? You know, you got hit. And so we have, so there's these three aspects. One of the key thoughts I want to leave people with 
is even though it's not been safe for thousands of years on the planet to be yourself, now it is. And most people are like, are you sure? And I say, well, look, if the men in black were going to knock on our door, they'd have got you and me probably first, you know. But they're not really interested in us. They're kind of leaving us alone. They're like, there's too many people being themselves and the world is shifting. And, and actually the world wants people to be creative. I saw a very, um, I could, you could say 3D documentary on Netflix called about Instagram. And it was really interesting because they <clears throat> followed four people on Instagram that had millions of followers and all of them were completely weird in their own way, in their own way. And that, some of their weirdness I didn't really agree with because it's very gross, I thought. But hey, you know, so even at a 3D level, it's working. So follow your weirdness. Don't try, don't chase the money. Allow your weirdness to attract it, you know. And there is a, you know, there is a gap from like being an employee, employee to running your own business, for example, or doing your own freelancing. But you'll find <clears throat> that the more people know exactly what you're offering and, and really love what you're doing, you're like, I'm finding that not having a proper job is so rewarding financially. But it took me a long time to get, because you have to be uncomfortable with, you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable all of the time. And eventually that uncomfortability can become exciting. So it's like, forget the nine to five job. My grandfather got a gold watch for 40 years service. I mean, forget all that. We're not in that world anymore. No. That's no security there. And I went into banking because my grandmother said, get a, uh, a secure job. But really, the banking world now, they're being laid off in, 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 in London, you know, so there's none of that. I'm more secure now being in my flowing out, out there zone than I ever was, really. And that's much more fun. So let me just tell you what the, um, what I think the new work ethic is. And, um, when we learn, um, when we learn what's really important, we learn to ditch the dreams and values and judgments of others. That's important because we're learning that doesn't work. When we stop chasing money, then we learn that money's fuel for the journey, not the object of the journey. Then things shift. We have to learn the power of cooperation. I mean, this is a cooperation, right? You know, me coming on your show, which I'm very grateful for. And um, there is healthy competition that can help us excel in what we choose to do. But healthy competition does not involve envy or jealousy. It involves appreciation and inspiration. Because if someone's in, in, in excelling in their field, they can become a great inspiration for us. You know, like when I was at Alternatives, I heard hundreds of authors and you're know, all in this kind of field. And they never went, oh, well, you know, there's so many. And I've heard people say this. There's so many people doing it already. How can I even do it? But even mm -hmm. though there are thousands of people doing what I'm doing across the planet, I'm doing it in my way. You're doing it in your way. And so uh, we can learn from others. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. I've listened to people like Wayne Dyer, sat in a Wayne Dyer talk 20 years ago and I was so moved by his presentation I thought that guy is so inspiring and it, he helped me understand something about the power of presentation so I've learned a lot from a lot of people so allow them to teach us really but the miracle flow ethic says something like this it says something like we live in a magical universe where we create our reality from the inside out everything is energy and energy is directed by consciousness our focus determines our reality our stories, beliefs, habitual thinking determines our reality. Our life scripts determine our reality. The strength of our connection to spirit determines our reality. Our ability to raise our and maintain a high vibration determines our reality. 
with this consciousness, we determine the rules we live by. There will always be rules, but we must agree to them and say they're my rules. I agree to them because there are a lot of crazy rules in society that we can agree to, of course. There are no limits or conditions imposed by the universe on our happiness on, or on our success other than we follow our heart and the still voice of spirit within. There are no limits or conditions. Um, a, a society puts plenty of limits and conditions. And even spiritual teachers can put limits and conditions, I have to say. So one thing I would say is don't let anything I say put any kind of limit on you. Because I remember I had a limit with a spiritual teacher that when this person is so amazing and wonderful that I could never be more than them or go beyond them. And so I've noticed in a lot of spiritual teaching zones that students do not feel they can go beyond the teacher or beyond the author or beyond the presenter. But you have full position, permission, full permission to go beyond anything I say. And many of you will. And fantastic. You know, when I'm gone, you, I want you, you should be sailing out there. Even when I'm here, you should be going way, well past me. And uh, I've noticed some teachers struggle with that. I, I, I remember a story of uh, this um, ashram where this enlightened teacher was talking and suddenly one of the guys woke up and was like suddenly awake, awake. And you can guess what happened to him. They threw him out. There's only room for one guru in this ashram. Out you go, mate. So that can happen, you know. So there's, there could be limits or you get ejected. You know, you can't go beyond the teacher. Um, with this consciousness, our value, strengths, gifts, dreams, determine and define our happiness and success. It's important that we do define what happiness and success is for ourselves, really. Not let others define, not let parents define it. That's the worst thing, you know. Um, with this consciousness, our time on earth becomes precious because time is the one resource that's actually finite in our life. Not in our soul's journey, but in this lifetime. We may have 100 years, we may have 150 years. I don't want to put a limit on anyone, you know, but whatever that is, because I think our lifespan can change. We may not just live to 100. We may live more than that, but it's finite. Unless you've learned the art of, um, you know, Thrice Great Hermes, that he could make himself immortal for 200,000 years. But most of us haven't learned that secret yet. So we do have a finite time. So we can, use, we can choose to use our time well rather than selling our time, which is the old thing. I've got to sell my time to get by, you know, and I resent selling my time and I don't like selling my time and I'm not even liking what I'm doing. But as long as it pays me, I'll do it. That mindset goes, really. It shifts. And, of course, there's a gap, you know, between the old and the new. It's such a huge gap in some ways that the, the bridge between the two is really, you could say, a bridge of faith and courage. Because faith, for a while, we have a foot in both worlds. We have a foot in, well, I've got a day job, but at the weekend I go to the workshop. So there's that kind of thing. But eventually we might step more into the you know, that the 5D will call us. So I remember it called me, I had a foot in both worlds in the early, oh, was it the late 90s, actually. So I was doing all the spiritual work in the 90s. Only my job was a 3D job. And then eventually that went. And I had to follow my heart and follow the journey and have faith and listen to guidance and follow my intuition. It was a powerful journey of, oh, my intuition is guiding me on this journey. Actually, there are beings interested in my journey that can help me, my higher self and other beings. Um, that journey is an escape from our old familiarity zone, the old zone of chasing money and um, not expressing our feelings and working so hard and, you know, not having a proper holiday, not really resting, shuffling paper. 
all of that. We're out of that zone. So actually, at the beginning, I remember when I was out of that zone, and I thought, I remember sitting in a cafe, and I thought, this is an amazing luxury. I'm, I'm working in a cafe, and I can, but basically my work was doing nothing for a while because I had to just create the space to think and to create and to download. And that was the initial, is it okay to create the space? But actually, if we don't create the space to listen to our intuition, to listen to whatever spirit's saying, nothing happens. So I had to create the space. And then all this creativity started coming. And so, if some, for example, if someone's paper shuffling and busy and busy, there's zero creativity. It's all doing and no uh, opening to any creative impulse. Nothing new's coming in. We have to stop that to allow the creative journey. And we have to allow the energies of joy and play and fun into the zone. Because making, making work or the journey playful and fun is um is is really a great shift actually um so i i did a workshop at the weekend called starseed entrepreneur in london and we had about 30 people in the room and one of the things i did was i played the money i played the money game and the money game you know we can talk about money till you know we're blue in the face we can talk about our beliefs and our stories but what i do is i ask people to bring money and they're going to play a game where they can lose it or not so the first game is a shark game, which is really a game of grabbing and taking and fighting and competing. It's high energy and people are grabbing. And, and so basically your money's there, but people can grab it. You can grab others. It's a great free-for-all. It's a lot of fun. And um, there are rules that people break the rules because they always break the rules, even in our 3D matrix of people breaking the rules. And so then there's the learning. Afterwards, people come around. What have you learned? What have you gained? How were you? And so there's that process. And then the second game is the dolphin game, which is really a game of giving and receiving. And there are rules to that game, but it's really, and some people have, some people find it easier doing the shark game and incredibly difficult doing the giving and receiving game. Mm -hmm. So learning to give and receive. And one, one thing I encouraged people to do was there was no talking in the second game. You can't talk in the dolphin game. You can only seduce or motion or play or motion, you know, would you like to give me some money? You can't take the money. And a lot of people, it's, you could say it's like flirting or something. I, I took part in the game. I had so much fun because I know it's a game and I know it's fine. And I know, you know, money is just energy. But when, you, when people don't realize that and they're looking at their, how much money have I got, it just creates a heaviness in the game for them. They can't play. They can't flow. And they can't really play that game very successfully. So things like having fun. I mean, I like the energy of the trickster that comes through. It's just very playful. And, and there are a lot of, you know, um, entrepreneurs that have that energy. So um, I had a client actually recently, um, and she's working at a very, very high level of money. I mean, you're talking millions of euros and, and sterling. And um, she said, basically, I have all these potential deals, but I'm not actually making a deal. Because, and if I get a deal, the, the commission is huge, but I'm not making a deal. And we realized that she had all kinds of energetic blocks to actually make. She had all the connections, but she was resisting making the deal for all kinds of reasons. We released those locks and blocks. Then she messaged me uh, 10 days later. I made a deal. I don't know. It's $150 million uh, euros or something. And I've made half a million euros. Thank you very much. So as energy... 
you know, so people might say, well, it's all very, very nice, but I mean, I'm, to, I'm dealing with entrepreneurs, and I'm dealing with people who are working with money. I'm working in my own area, life with money. I'm not chasing money anymore. In fact, I deliberately don't chase money. And I find that, that rather than repelling money, money tends to flow in, uh, in a way I've not experienced before this last three years, let's say. The last three years, I've experienced money flowing in a very different way than before. So, um, and I mean, it's more I could say about money if you're if you're interested or your listeners are interested, but because money is a huge subject around this because it's so core to the old 3D matrix, and in America it's so core that holds that whole thing together, isn't it? That control around there's only so much you've got to chase it and get out there at six in the morning, pound the gym, and then get to work, and then come home and you know feel stressed, but actually hopefully have a chat with the wife and sit down and watch TV and have a glass of wine and oh. Stressful even talking about it. Really, we'll do it all over again tomorrow if you haven't yeah. to make it. Yeah. Um, I love those money games. Money games are really powerful. All right. Uh, and I love that um, as we create in this way, that it's no longer chasing money. And so it's shifting from creating, doing things because we're going to be paid money for it to shifting it because it feels right. I know that seems like a stretch and you mentioned the word gap and that's the gap. The gap is how do you do that? But we do just do it by taking a step and beginning. So for those who wish to start and go forward, give them some advice on actually just having that faith and courage because it's well, trust and passion too. I think there's basically two approaches to the problem of a gap. Yes. So um, imagine if you're walking through the forest and then the forest clears and you come to the edge of a cliff and there's a great chasm. And on the other side is where you want to go, but there's a chasm there. There's a couple of ways of dealing with it. And most people do it. Two, there's two ways of dealing with that in, in life. We've come, you know, let's say someone's in the corporate world. I can't do this anymore. Or someone's in some other situation. I can't do this anymore. What do I do? The two approaches, one, a leap of faith where, you know, I'm meditating and I get the impression, okay, it's the right time. I'm going to leap off into the void and the universe will catch me. As long as the timing's right, it's a bumpier ride that way, but the universe can catch you. It's what I did in the 90s when I left. I resigned not knowing where I'm going. Just I had the feeling I asked the universe and they gave me the sign and I left. So, and that was an interesting 18-month journey, a bit bumpy. I learned a lot. But then after 18 months, I was in exactly the right time, the right position um, to step into that directorship role. It, it was almost one of those things the universe knew the timing and I had to wait and it said go. And I went and it worked out perfectly. But the other way people can do it is having a more strategic planned exit. And some people probably need that for their own ego's sanity, you know. So you can, for example, go part time or plan your exit from the from the corporate world in a much more measured way. And I've had one or two people, coaching, coaching clients have done that. They planned it. They planned their exit in a very clever way. They've got some kind of payment and they've gone, you know, and but it's very scary. And I think the, the you know, the extra bit I, I understand in America, which doesn't really happen in Europe, is medical insurance is an extra extra bolt on the whole process. You know, that's the number one reason people tell me they don't leave their corporate job. Exactly. Well, let me say that 
Um, of course, you know, when I was working in the bank, I had a very safe job, I was earning a lot of money. Then I worked in local government, I had a management job, I was earning a lot of money. Rel well, rel enough, you know, I'm not saying millions, but it was, it was okay. Um, to leave it was like my ego was saying, why would you leave this? You know, the job is safe, it's secure. <laughs> Yeah. Why, you know, it's the same conversation, you know, I mean, I didn't have medical insurance to worry about, but I still had a mortgage and things like that. So whatever you've got going, and actually what I'm finding is if you're working in a stressful environment, a lot of your money will eventually get circled circle into managing your stress. You have to go for the massages, you have to do the things to keep the stress. I had to go on the retreats just to deal with my stress, you know, mm -hmm. but when I left that, I found there's a huge weight off me, a huge, my health in the last... 20 years has been pr reasonably pretty amazing I would say you know I'm 62 now and I'm you know still go around running around the park in the mornings and I do a little bit of martial arts training you know by myself and stuff like that I'm pretty fit and I know people much younger than me you know I remember I went I was going with, with someone who was quite a lot younger than me walking up this building up flights of stairs and she said I can't do anymore you know I'm like you know oh okay fine we'll catch the lift so I've got I've got a lot of energy and I think People who are following their passion, having a sense of play and fun, tend to have more vitality anyway. So I don't really, I mean, I've, I might go and have a, I had a checkup when I was 50. And, you know, if, if I go to a new doctor's, they insist you have a checkup. But, you know, but apart from that, I don't really see them. Um, so in terms of health, in terms of security, it's much better to follow your heart and follow out there. And even if you... Um, hit some challenges it's all right you know on the journey I've hit some major challenges you know after after leaving alternatives so after I was there for 13 years and I got the message okay leave that now and I didn't want to leave that because I loved it so I thought well, why should I leave it you know my and the intuition was no you've got to leave and I fought with that intuition which is not a good idea because I think no I've been here and I love this place why should I leave and then so I had a little bit of crisis, but then I, I left and then um, money ran out. I was writing the book, and but I found my way. I was thinking, will I, will I have enough money? I always had enough money. It always climbed in. I mean, there were some weeks were a bit tighter than others, but it was all right. And actually the journey became exciting. You know, it's like every week is different. If you're doing a nine to five, every week is pretty much the same. You know, and even I've met some entrepreneurs who run businesses, their heart's not really in it. Every week's the same. You know, same old drama, same old. And uh, for me, every week is pretty, you know, different. I'm heading off to Glastonbury to run a retreat in a couple of weeks. Um, I'm heading to America in May. I'm getting to so New Jersey and then Portland, Oregon. And then in August, I'm going to Mount Shasta. Um, heading to Poland. I'm heading to uh, Egypt at the end of the year and, and, and so on, you know. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's kind of an interesting journey. And, the great thing about it is I, I kind of get to make it up as I go along. I kind of sit and think, well, where would I like to go and hang out? What would be a really nice thing to do? And that, that was something I learned at Alternatives. You know, what, who would we like to attract? Who would we, how, what, what events would we like to put on? So I've kind of built on that. Now, what, what, what would I like to do? And that's a muscle I've had to build over time because at the beginning, it's, you know, it's a bit like, can I do this? But eventually the muscle gets built, the confidence, you could say. And confidence comes in doing. It's not really a fixed thing we inject in ourselves. But the more we do it, the more we face our challenges, the more we become more resourceful and find out I'm a resourceful being. You know, and our sense of resourcefulness doesn't just come from this lifetime. It comes from other lifetimes, you know. So I had a healer 
in the early 90s when I was starting out on the journey say to me she got a pendulum out and she did a swinging thing and she went oh yeah you were a high priestess in Atlantis you were you were so and so in Egypt and I listened to that thinking well if that's all true I've got huge resources and that's true for everyone I think mm-hmm. you know we've got these resources in us but we just don't know what they are and this idea of inner potential if you're doing a nine-to-five job if you're stuck in a kind of familiarity zone and the old work ethic then your inner potential is unrealized. We don't know. You could be in a factory making widgets or paper shuffling, and you could be a brilliant poet, a brilliant dancer, a brilliant writer, a brilliant coach, a brilliant speaker, and you'll never know, actually. So that's the thing about the journey. It forces us to to dig deep and find what's really in us that wants to come out. So that's another part of of the shift. And, you, you know, most people have got no awareness of their true gifts until they get on the path, you know. When you were a journalist, I bet you didn't know you could do what you're doing now. <clears throat> it's all like, wow, I can do this and I can create this business and and do this kind of stuff and sell that kind of stuff and make this up. It's a, yeah. a, a, an ongoing journey. It's an ongoing journey. And, you know, in my own life, it was something where since I was a little girl, I wanted to be that journalist. And when I got into that world, I was, Wow not enough time to even eat lunch during the day and then you have to put on makeup and go in front of a camera Um, and it was really looking at other people's business and then repeating the same stories over and over and so you know in in my life and it seems like in in this journey for everyone as we make our way to the great new work ahead the great new service work for all of us following our joy and passion we take that inventory Right. We take that inventory of our unique skills and that does take us inward in a new way. And it does take us through the Akashic records into past lives that our higher self shows us of these skills and these talents. And then that's where it comes into just stepping and doing things that we love. We just begin doing what we love. And as you said, because you've created that space and carved out that time, the inspiration comes. Your creativity came to you. It's like yeah. re- releasing that baggage and it comes. So this is so promising and so hopeful. And I hope that everyone is feeling this. I'm getting goosebumps as we can see the new earth. We can see the new world, the new collaboration out there. You mentioned competition. And I just don't see that anymore. I actually have transcended because being in the journalist world, that was embed in us, embedded in us, competition, yeah. getting the scoop, right? Yeah. Um, and I've actually seen how we can all work together and actually make a greater, stronger platform by coming together and working in new ways. And the technology today is here to support us. And, and, and I just find that so beautiful and promising. So, again, another reason why we always say to keep your vision, hold your vision of new earth, create that vision and go for it. So I am really excited here. I think it's beautiful. I think it's really great. So thank you for sharing on your new 5D miracle flow ethic. Um, There is a way that people can work with you. This is really wonderful because you are a, a wonderful teacher and a wonderful coach I'm going to share my screen here because we're about ready to go into an after party on Zoom with you. And the after party on Zoom, you can go get um, a single ticket into this or you can come along and purchase one of Steve's special offer options. 
Steve has some courses that he's done that take you deeper into what we've been talking about today. Uh, this is actually 5D light technology. So Steve, share with us a little bit about your courses in this offer. Hi, Lauren, you cut out slightly there. Oh, did I cut out? All right, yeah, I was wondering if you cut out. Thank you for this Mercury retrograde moment. <laughs> All right. Well, Steve, um, I don't know if you heard me, but I would like you to share about the courses that you've created. These actually take people deeper into everything that we've been talking about. And so this is a beautiful option because you also have a live upcoming webinar that will be included with the purchase of any of these items on your special offer. Uh, so this is called 5D light technology. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so there's, there's there's a couple of courses there. Um, one is, a, so there's, one is a 5D light medicine technology, and that one, um, it's got four levels. One is clearing and upgrading the etheric body, and then clearing and upgrading the emotional body, and then clearing and upgrading the mental body and when that's all done there's an embracing of the higher self so that's um four sessions on that one and the stepping into 5d light mastery has um got seven levels it's got foundation and then there's healing the ego clearing timelines expanding your divine light connecting with unseen friends becoming the dreamer and high frequency living so they're the two courses 5D light medicine technology and 5D light mastery. Yeah. 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 Okay. And and uh, yeah. So I know there's some extra bits being bolted on to that. Lauren, do you want to mention those? Yes, there's an extra bit being bolted on to that. And so Steve has an upcoming event on April 9th, and that will be included. Um, that's available for purchase on its own as well, but we are including it with any of these items on Steve's special offer. So it's really a great savings because you it's like an extra bonus program that is included for the price of just one of those. So those yeah. are really good. Thank you so much for that. Um, we are going to be with Steve in our after party, and our after party is a way for us to just connect with you, each of you who wish to share and connect with like-hearted beings. We have a membership available, but we have single tickets as well. And you can just pop in and say, hey, to Steve, you can ask, you can laugh, and you can share. This is where we come together and support one another and know that we are safe in this venture. You know, we may have <laughs> lives that we remember being killed for speaking our truth, but as you said, Steve, we are safe now, and this is really where we share those experiences with one another. So uh, you can get Steve's special offer, because again, if you purchase any of his special offer items, you'll get a ticket into today's Zoom after party as well. And it's fun, so we invite everyone to join us. So thank you for that, Steve. Um, quick link to your special offer is bit.ly slash Check that out. And you can also get his special offer on this webpage that you're viewing 
or any of the links in the description box. Steve, thank you so much. This is beautiful. Again, we are feeling empowered and inspired. What we began in this show with a little bit of fear from the collective, we are totally shifting it. And I think mm -hmm. that's what we do in this time of this shift in our mastery of our vibration is to transmute any fear that comes up. And you mentioned timelines. Remember, when we create timelines, we do so by choosing something new and it's choosing love over fear. And so we're in it now, aren't we? Where we certainly have that old style and the old way that we can continue to do, or we can simply open our hearts to love and choose the new and literally know that we're changing the timeline. So as we say goodbye today, Steve, thank you for wrapping up our session in something that allows us to truly embrace this new miracle flow 5D ethic. Thank you, Lauren. Beautiful. All right. That is Steve. He's giving us a silent transmission right now. <laughs> I think we've said it all then. This feels yeah. complete. We yeah. invite everyone to listen to this again and be inspired. This is new earth that we're creating, and we thank you all for being here. Thank you so much. Please join us on QCTV in the after party on Zoom. We're going to stay here on this link as we dance our way to the cosmic heart. Enjoy. <laughs> Thanks, Lauren. Thanks, Steve. Had a strange odd. I don't know why the hell that came. What that's maybe it's what we were talking about with the collective. I don't know. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> Bye, everyone. for listening to this quantum conversation and thank you for dancing with us to the cosmic heart as we raise our own vibration we raise the vibration of the planet this show is dedicated to you and all awakening hearts as we are here to shine our bright light and amplify our love access all quantum conversations special offers from our guests and online healing retreats by visiting AcousticHealth.com. I'm Loren Gailey, and from my sacred heart to yours, I honor your magnificent love and light.
We leave you now with music from the universe. Music literally created by the universe as musical notes were assigned to mathematical equations. The result is this beautiful music available at AcousticHealth.com. Namaste. The conference is now completed. Goodbye.